church, I want to continue our series today uh, speaking on the whole topic of identity. Who am I, as we've said, is one of those big meaning of life questions that mankind has asked for millennia. And there's no doubt that this topic, even again this week in the media, the whole topic of not just who you are, but what you are, is generating much debate and discussion and for many uh, confusion. We've said there are some very vocal voices shouting ever so loud as they vigorously pursue their ideological quest to occupy space and place in the hearts and minds, especially of the next generation. But we're saying here today that you are who God says you are. Thank you for the three people who agreed with that. I mean, you are, come on, we're a Pentecostal church. You are who God says you are. Can I hear an amen? You, you, you are who God's word says you are. And so far we have seen that God's word says you are made in his image. You're unique. You're sons and daughters. You're called and chosen. Come on, somebody get excited. You're his workmanship. You're more than a conqueror. You're complete in him. You're a new creation in him. You're righteous in him, justified in him, sanctified in him, made holy in him. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are the branch. He is the vine. And it's so important that we abide in Him, that we find our lives in Him. You are who God's Word says you are. And it's time to stop believing the lies of the devil and start believing the truth of God's Word. Now listen, this is, this, this is important. One of the tactics of the serpent is to cast doubt on that which God has said. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the serpent said to the woman, did God really say? Did God really say? As he whispered, I want to just declare to you today, as he whispered into Eve's ear, then he will certainly whisper into your ear now. Did God really say? Did God really say this about you? Did God really say you're made in His image? Did God really say that you're a son and daughter of the Most High God? Did God really say that? I mean, really? I mean, you? I mean, you? Really? If the serpent whispered then, he will whisper now. Jesus, when He was baptized. It tells us in Matthew 3 verse 16, it says, he went up out of the water and at the moment, at that moment, heaven was open like a dove alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The very heavens opened up. The voice of heaven spoke. And then it says in chapter 4, and I say this to any person who's getting baptized or has been baptized, understand the pattern, the attack that can come as people get baptized. 
They've stood up. They've heard the voice of God whisper into their spirit. You're my son. You're my daughter. Only to find themselves as Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the first thing the devil says to Jesus after that time, the first thing he says, he says, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son, I mean, really, you're the Son, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. I mean, Jesus, did God really say, I mean, are you really? I want to tell you that the, the, the serpent is cunning. And it's easy to follow when everything's going fine. But in those moments where you've had to walk through the wilderness, when you've had to walk through those dry places, it's in those moments that, are you, does God really care about you? I mean, I mean, look at what you've just been through. Look at what you've just gone through. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody today. Really? You're made in His Image, did God really say you're his son and his daughter? And the answer is yes, he did. So I'm, I'm challenging you today. When, when God's re word reveals it, no devil in hell can repeal it. Right. Now listen, Eve was deceived when what the serpent said was believed. I'll say that again. Eve was deceived when what the serpent said was believed. And I'm telling you today, it's time to stop believing the lies of the serpent and start believing the truth of God's Word, who God's Word says you are. That's who you are. And here, also, if God doesn't say it about you, quit saying it about yourself. On the other hand of the equation. I, I, I hear believers, well, I'm just useless. God would never use me. I'm just hopeless. I just can't. I don't think God, I think God's forgotten about me. He doesn't love me. He, listen, if God's word doesn't say it, don't say it about yourself. God's word says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's loved you with an everlasting love. Quit saying what God has not said. Quit saying about yourself things that He has not declared over you. He who knew no sin became sin for you, that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. It is in Christ, apart from Him. We're lost, but in Him. Oh, better get back to my notes. Preachers preaching. I have taken my medication this morning. If God doesn't say it about you, quit saying it about yourself. You are who God's word says you are. Can I hear a good amen? And that's it. As I close off this series today, what I do want to do, I and just saying I'm closing out. Next week we have Des Chettle coming. I encourage you to be here early for, for that. We're going to do the service a little bit differently. And Daz Chettle, I'm bringing him here to uh, comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. And so he doesn't fit into the norm. And so Daz is someone who's had a radical encounter with God, fearless, 
He's the type of guy who, who stands up on airplanes. You've seen, maybe you've seen videos of him doing it. Not just once, not just twice, all the time. Usually at the end of the flight, because they'd probably throw him off at the beginning. <laughs> but the end of the flight, get up and say, hey, my name's Des. I've, I've been saved. My, this is what my life was. And I just want to tell you, before we get off the plane, there is a God in heaven who loves you. Jesus loves you. He will do, go into the middle of a mall and stand up and say, hey, everyone, how are you? My name's Des. And, 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 and why am I bringing him here? Because we need to be disturbed in the area of evangelism. We need to be disturbed, not just worrying about getting ourselves to church, but how are we going to get somebody else to church? Can I hear an Amen. Not a very convincing one, right? I've just, made, I've just made some people very nervous. That's why you should be here. And allow him to disturb and, and, and rip parts of your heart that have maybe, maybe got a bit, bit callous. Allow yourself to get a love for the lost of those who do not know Christ. And that's why I'm bringing him here to stir you to, so you can hear stories of changed lives when you've spoken out and you never thought God could really touch that person or reach this one or that one. So as I close off this series today, I'll, I want to do so. And, and, and again, remember, it's part of our identity because you are his witnesses. You are. But I want to close off today, this series. There's so many more. This could be the unending series. I'm closing it off today. But I want to do so by reminding us the Bible says you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We need to remember here uh, today that the church is not a place. It's a body. The church is not a place. It's a body. Minister and author Stephen A. Gammon put it like this, The church is not merely an organization we join. Or a place of worship we go to when it's convenient. Church is the body of Christ. And it's also important to realize that we are not the church alone. We are the church together. Romans 12 verse 4 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, other versions say parts, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, here's that in Christ again. Study the in Christ of the Bible. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member, listen, belongs to all the others. You are not meant to do life alone. Each member belongs to all the others. Now sometimes I say things like, uh, we don't go to church, we are the church. I say that, you would have heard, if you've been here a while, you would have heard me say that. But when I do say that, understand, I'm not saying you are the church alone, individually, or by your fine self. We are not the church alone, individually. We are the church together. When Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Chapter 12, verse 27, you are the body of Christ. He is not speaking to the individual, but to the church in Corinth, corporately, together. He goes on to clarify the fact when he says each one of you or us is a part of it, this body. In Romans, it says, in Romans 12, verse 5, In Christ, we, though many, form one body together, 
And each member belongs to all the others. And so when I say, as I often do, the church is not the steeple, but the people, I'm not talking about the individual and neither is scripture. It's very important that you understand that. See, we can, we can see that as we read that same passage in other versions of the Bible, in, in the ESV, for instance, it says, we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. The New Living Translation says that same passage, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In the Amplified, it says this, so we who are many are nevertheless just one body in Christ and individually we are parts one of another. I love this, mutually dependent. Mutually dependent on each other. You are not designed to do life alone. Mutually dependent. In the Good News Translation, it says this, we are one body in union with Christ and we are all joined. We're joined. We're meant to do this together. We're joined to each other as different parts of one body. And of course, it's stated so clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20, where it says, as it is, there are many parts, but one body. Just one body. Not two, not three, just one body. The body of Christ. And Christ is the head of the body. Not me, not you. Jesus Christ is the head of his church. He is the head of his body. And it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it tells us that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. If you were just doubting his authority, I'm just wanting to make it clear, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. Somebody give Jesus some praise in this place. He is the head of the church. He is the head and we are and you are the body of Christ, the church, together. And that's why the writer of Hebrews encourages us not to forsake, neglect, or abandon the assembling of ourselves, the body, together. The NIV is a little bit more cheeky and it adds in, as some are in the habit of doing. The Good News Bible puts it like this. It puts it, spins on a positive light in terms of let's get into the habit of meeting together. It says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see that the day of the Lord is coming nearer. The Christian life is to be done together. The body, the church, functions best together. 
And it's important that you understand you are a part, an essential part of the body and you have an essential part to play in the body. If the knee's missing, it's difficult to walk. The body functions best together. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 18 says this, in fact, God has placed, you've got to understand anyone who's part of this church, you're not here by accident. You're not by here by, by, by some just cosmic fluke. In fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every single one of them, yes, even you. Yes, you who are sitting here today going, think, do I really make a difference? Do they know me here? Do they notice me? Does God notice me? Don't worry about if we notice you. Don't worry about if God notices you. Come on. He knows you. He knows the numbers of hair on your head. I know for some that can be a little bit easier. God has placed the parts in the body, every single one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And it goes on to say, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. We need each other. Can I hear a good amen? The Bible goes on and tells us that God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Why am I saying this? Why am I laboring this? I guess it's because in this technology savvy world of online services and podcasts and programs, let's be honest, it can be easier to do church on the sofa than in the sanctuary. Now, don't get me wrong, speaking to those who are online, if you're sitting on your sofa right now, watching this, let me, let me say, I love the fact that we do online services. I was talking to somebody as I was coming in, they said, yes, the wife stayed home today. I said, she's going to love this sermon. <laughs> but I love the fact that we can do online services. It's amazing, right? It reaches people all over the, over the world. During lockdowns, it was a, it was a lifesaver. I mean, think if this had happened 20 years ago, what would we have, what would we have done? The, the fact that we can turn a church into a, a, a television broadcasting statement with a camera and an internet connection. It, it, it's incredible. I mean, we can broadcast into this nation, into nations of the world. And we even, we even had someone who said, I watch someone from England who said, I watch your sermons in the bath. Don't picture it. <laughs> I was like, that's great. That's awesome. In fact, they turned up here just before lockdown to check out. They flew across because they're looking at immigrating to New Zealand. And why wouldn't they want to immigrate to the Kapiti Coast? And if you're watching right now from your bath, come on, let's say a big hello to that <laughs> right now. So they came here and checked it out. I mean, it's amazing what it can do. When, when we're away preaching somewhere, we're preaching at another church, it's amazing to be able to watch this church online. I was preaching at O2 Church in Tauranga, and Anita and I said, that starts at 10 o'clock, so driving on the motorway. We were watching. I know you shouldn't, but we did. 
and we were watching the service online and watching the worship and we were, we were so enjoying it, we missed the turn off and I was late for the church I was meant to be speaking in. It's amazing. If you're on holiday, you can, wa- you can watch it. It's a game changer. It's amazing, for, especially for those who, who, who struggle to get to services for all kinds of reasons, for, for health reasons, or uh, some of our elderly who are, who, are, who are struggling to get out. For that, it is amazing. They can watch from home. That's what it's for. Or for someone who's exploring, what's this church like? Last week, we had three families join our 11 a.m. service. And because one of them talking to me said, we watch the services online. We watch sermons online. For that, that's what it's for. And that helped them check out the church before they actually arrived in the building. So if you're watching, don't change that channel. Don't turn that dial. I'm just saying the sofa should never replace the sanctuary. That's all I'm saying. The sofa should never replace the sanctuary. And I know people say, and maybe I've said it over the years, that you, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And it's true. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian, but being a Christian should make you want to go to church. Come on, somebody. You should want to go, man, I want to hang with God's people. I want to be with God's people. I want to get in that atmosphere. Why? Because the, the Christ life is to be done together, and we are to be a part of the body, not apart from the body. And I've got to say, the, the body, the church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. When people say, well, I'll just do church at home. And I'm not speaking to those who are just watching online. I mean, I understand there are different reasons for, for that. I'm really talking to that, those who would say, well, I'll just do church at, at home. And if that's you, I want to ask you, how do you connect with the body at home? See, 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 watching at home, you can consume content. But Scripture is not calling us to be consumers, but rather contributors. Part of the whole. How, how do we do that, really? How do you play your part? How do you serve one another? How do you have community? How do you advance the kingdom? How do you engage in mission? Ultimately, see, see we're not called to watch. We're called to engage. In community, and worship, and in outreach. And as we do relationship together, there comes a sense of belonging. And when you're not here, it's noticed. And, and so I didn't see so-and-so today. And that, that call takes place that, that, that says, hey, I haven't seen you at church for the last couple. Are you okay? How you doing? You all right? Which again, this is why connect groups within the body life of the church is so essential. It takes relationship to a deeper and stronger and more meaningful and goes further than just the hour on the Sunday. There's something about preparing for church. Getting ready. I know it can be a hassle getting all the kids ready. But there's something about preparing for, for church rather than just staying in your pajamas. That gets ready to worship. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says this, So Christ himself 
gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth and love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. From Him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up as, listen, each part does its work. As each part does its job. When I read passages like that, I, I, I understand how this can work in the sanctuary together, but I struggle to see how it can truly happen on the sofa alone. If that's how one chooses to do church. Romans 12 verse 6 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's, if it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Again, I can understand how this can work in the context of the sanctuary together, but struggle to see. How, how we can apply this on the sofa or on the lazy boy. All I'm trying to say today, my brother, my sister, is that you're a valued part of the body and that there's something powerful that happens when the body is together something powerful happens when the body is together that does not happen when you're alone the Bible says where two or three are gathered in his it's not just the fact of being together it's the fact that we're gathered in his name The Bible says as we do that together, He's there in the midst of us. And so I don't want you to miss out on the power of the body, the church. I don't want you to miss out on the power of the church assembled together in one place, in one heart, in one mind, and in one accord. Because this is not my idea. This is God's idea. This is His pattern. This is His purpose. And all I'm saying is that church on the sofa will never be the same as church in the sanctuary. Oh yeah, I, I know. Church isn't perfect. It's because you're in it. 
and I'm in it. Better put that in. Someone said, if you find the perfect church, don't join it. You'll spoil it. You'll say church is full of hypocrites. And you know. Yep, there's room for one more. Even two. Church is not perfect because we are a part of it. But again, church is not about us. It's about Him. It's about the blood of Christ. It's about the cross. It's about the resurrection. It's about the fact that He saved us when we were lost. It's about our story and our testimony of what Christ has done. So let's do the Christ life together. Not alone. Because you are, the Bible declares, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. A valued part of it. Let the prayer of our hearts as we close this service today be like that of the psalmist who said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I pray that stirred you today and challenged you today. Would you bow your heads for a moment? If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, and you know even as I've been preaching and speaking this moment, Christ is calling. You've sensed Him calling you even right now to even respond to, to Him today. You know you need to get right with God. If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Do you know? Friend, I want to tell you there is a God in heaven who loves you. Today is the day of your salvation. Don't turn from Him. Come to Him. He invites you. He calls you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you know today you need to get right with God in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. That prayer is just saying, God, come fill my life. I want to turn from my sin and give my life to you today. And if that's you and you know you need to get right with God, I don't care if you've been coming to church for 10 years, if you've never given your life to Christ, would you do so now? And at the conviction of His Holy Spirit, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you know you need to get right with God and want to be included in that prayer, would you just say, that's me, Pastor, and put your hand up. You're just saying, I want to be included in that prayer. Anyone here today, you know you need to get right with God. Nice and high. So I can say, I don't want to finish this service without giving anyone an opportunity. Thank you. Anyone else down the middle here? Thank you. You know you need to get right with God today. All right. Let's all say this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Today, I turn from my sin and turn towards you. Be my Savior. And my Lord, from this day forth I ask, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's get, put our hands together for those who said yesterday. Amen, amen, amen. Would you stand as I pronounce a blessing over you?
And again, these words are not just the words of a song. These are ancient words, thousands of years old, declared over congregations in Jerusalem as they gathered at the temple. Today I declare these words over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you shalom. And everyone said, Amen. If you need